Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray, and this week I'm joined by Christy Linden, formerly Christy Kandau, uh, soccer star at Santa Clara University, national champion. Um, and in this episode, we talk a lot about her experience in youth soccer, but really just youth athletics. Um, kind of her unique vision of herself as an athlete and, and how that framed everything uh, for her athletic career, uh, even getting herself to Santa Clara University. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's, it's a really in-depth and personal look at um, kind of what it takes to get to that next level and various uh, things that will motivate players in order to maybe put in more effort or take things a little bit more seriously. So without further ado, we're going to jump straight on in with Christy Linden. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Athletes Rising. Kelly Gray here, uh, joined by a very special guest, the exciting and experienced Christy Linden slash Kandau. As you just said to me a moment ago, everybody kind of in the world of soccer still knows you as Kando. So yes, um, so welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, let's just jump right on in here. Um, soccer's your game. Let's go back to the beginning. Where did you find this game? Let's see. So I grew up with two older brothers, uh-huh. um, and was very much. My mom was very much hoping to have, you know, the little frilly dress wearing girl. (laughs) And I, of course, was quite the opposite. I Mm -hmm. was a complete and total tomboy. I wanted to do everything that my brothers did. Of course. And, you know, that usually involved going outside and playing with a ball of some sort and running around riding bikes, doing all sorts of crazy stuff with them. Um, So when I was pretty little, I started to get involved in various sports. And I believe my first team was the local motions. Nice. Yes, you gotta love it. You gotta love that. Um, so I got started in rec and then eventually started playing club soccer where we would get absolutely destroyed in every game that we played. Nice. Yeah, I started as a goalkeeper even. <laughs> Came out of every game bloodied with like a 10-0 defeat. So I decided oh. that was probably not the best position. Um, but anything that I could run around, anything that I could, you know, shoot a ball, throw a ball, anything like that, I was all about it. So I started with a little of everything and Mm. playing in school, every sport that we could play, you know, softball, basketball, volleyball, soccer. I was all about it. What made you choose soccer as like, or I wouldn't even say choose at that point, but what, what, what really drew you to soccer? Uh, there were various things that I loved about it. I mean, obviously any team sport, you get to play with your friends and you get to go outside. And I had a couple of coaches in particular, you know, we started out with the parent coaches when I was pretty young and then as we transitioned we started to get some trainers and stuff and I think because of the fact that I was lucky to have a couple of um, good trainers that really made a strong impression there's one guy in particular that I still keep in touch with named George Lamptey mm-hmm. who, I know George you know yeah. George yeah. exactly if you played yeah. soccer in this area you probably know George and he was always a favorite and you know we used to I used to train with him and I still credit him with my shot and mm-hmm. he used to say to me when we would do like practice stuff my grandmother could do better than that. <laughs> so that's always something that stuck with me. So I think just a very positive environment, having some good coaches, having fun more than anything was what always drew me to soccer the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point you said, like, what, where are we age-wise in all of this? We're talking um, elementary school? Yes, yeah, so I think I was about 
eight when I started playing competitively. Mm-hmm. I was still playing other sports, but I started playing club soccer, and we started playing, I think, under 10s. And so, like I said, we would get destroyed by everyone because all the kids had been playing longer. They were all older, bigger, faster. Um, so, yeah, I think that's when I started playing CYSA. Um, and at that point, you were still playing multiple sports, though? Very much so. What At what point did you decide that soccer was your game and you were going to just just focus solely on soccer um i would say in high school i still was a multi-sport athlete i played volleyball my freshman year um that was kind of when i had to make the decision time-wise to make a commitment to one club sport Mm -hmm. and uh, volleyball was also a very large commitment Uh club-wise and so i decided that i need i would rather just play soccer as opposed to get involved in club volleyball as well but I still, I did track my sophomore year as well. So I still was playing multiple sports, but then by junior year, it was solely soccer. Um, now, did you, one, did you find that those, that those other sports really helped you with soccer? I mean, was that, when you think about like your own development in the game, do you think that, you know, you, you drew things from volleyball? I mean, track's kind of an obvious one where it teaches you how to run better, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that those really helped build you as a better soccer player? Absolutely. I mean, if if you were to ask me, am I a soccer player through and through, I would say no. I would consider myself an athlete who chose soccer. Uh-huh. Um, I like that. That's that's a, that's a kind of a perfect, the, I guess what you would hope for. Yeah. Right? Like, I take pride in the fact that I can throw a mean spiral with a football. Yeah. I can't really shoot a basketball anymore. It's actually kind of embarrassing. I played in a rec league, like an adult league, and it was just, I learned that I should just pass every time I got the ball. But um, no, I absolutely feel like every sport that I've played has given me the vision on the field, has given me obviously the athleticism, the fitness, the essential parts that you need for soccer, mm-hmm. um, the footwork, you know, all of it. Do you, do you think that soccer, you also chose soccer because it was your best sport and was it your best sport? Yes, I do think that. Well, other than football, but, you know. Well, obviously, yeah. I lacked the frame for that one, but... Um, Genetics, man. I know. <laughs> I actually played... Um, I played at lunchtime in high school, and it, I was always the secret weapon because nobody knew that <laughs> Very girl unassuming. could play football. Yeah. So my friend who played baseball was quarterback, and I was wide receiver, and I would just dart down the line and score touchdowns and <laughs> make other guys very angry and the football coach once said to me if I knew you had those hands and those wheels I would have made you come out <laughs> I would have been crushed but anyway. I don't know um, I guess we'll never know yeah but I think that all of that definitely factored into all things soccer and made me a more complete player and made me kind of realize like alright this is the one that I'm built for I wasn't going to grow much more so volleyball and basketball weren't going to be the sport for me mm-hmm. and I just when I got out on the soccer field, there were just things that I could do all of a sudden that made me realize maybe I can do this beyond just club or high school. Yeah, did you, like, at what point did you kind of notice that you had this um, this talent? Like, going up against other players, was it something where you were like, whoa, like, I've got this. I'm, I am better than a lot of these people. It's actually funny. I don't think that I ever really got that feeling so much as I just was really competitive Uh and I think that you know like I said I started out as a goalie I worked my way all the way up the field I played every position on the field and finally when I became a forward I realized that I liked scoring goals and you know there was something about 
just that power that you have when yeah. you score a goal and you win a game and you know that you contribute in that capacity that you're like, all right, I kind of like this. Yeah. So as I kept getting older, um, I think I was having more success with it. You know, I could score big goals. Mm-hmm. I liked the feeling of doing that. I liked knowing that, you know, we had a chance to win a game and if I could bury it, I, I was stoked about it. So um, we're, we're kind of into like the high school-ish time frame, right, mm-hmm. of, of selecting uh, soccer your junior year. Um, so in club soccer at that time, what, what was the scenario there? Were you, were you practicing, you know, multiple days a week? Were you on a really competitive team? Like what was the, what was the setup there? So it was funny. I grew up, uh, when I was playing club, like I said, I was, I was very much surrounded by friends and that was something mm-hmm. that I enjoyed. Um, as time went on, you know, people started to kind of split up a little bit. And so I was playing for, I played for MPLA most of my childhood. Okay. Um, and I don't remember when it actually split, but like half of our team went and started another team, a De Anza team. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of split up there. And then as time went on, uh, a lot of those girls actually left De Anza and went to Sunnyvale. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until I think my sophomore year in high school when my coach basically kicked me off the team. Because oh, really? Because he said, you know, you're very loyal. I very much appreciate that. We're not going to go as far as you need to go. You need to go to that other team. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. You don't really see that these days. No, he was, he's a, still is a great coach. A guy named Jack Rosenhan. Mm-hmm. He's local. And he, um, I remember having that conversation. I think both of us were kind of almost like teary when we had the conversation. Yeah. Because I knew he was right. And, you know, I just felt like I didn't want to jump ship. I didn't want to leave the team that I was on. But if I did want to have a future beyond it, then... I needed to go play for this other club because now they were starting to play in showcases and tournaments yeah, where you're getting big more exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting like time and transition, I think. And some of the other guests that we've had on the show have talked about that same kind of a thing. Um, our last episode with Matt Shembury was, was the same thing where he he had to make the decision to leave the team that he was most comfortable with that was with all of his friends in order to take that chance to continue his own development. Mm-hmm. And so looking back on that, I mean, I'm going to say it probably was the right decision, but what was what was the hardest thing about that? I think it was just that, that loyalty piece of it, you know, knowing that friends and teammates that I played with before had left and gone to another team, and that was a hard transition one, you know, because they were friends and still yeah. continue to be. They're still players that I play with now. Um, so just feeling like I was loyal to that club, loyal to that coach, loyal to the friends that did stick around, mm-hmm. it was hard for me to step away from it, but I also recognized that if I you know, wanted to grow with it, then I was going to have to walk away. Yeah. So, okay, now we're on to the, the more competitive part of the club side. And so what was the biggest benefit you think you got from going to this new club? Uh, definitely the exposure. Like I said, they, um, were starting, this was kind of in the early days when they were starting to do college showcases Mm -hmm. where you'd go to these big tournaments and, you know, the stands or the sidelines would be littered with various college coaches there to recruit. Mm-hmm. So I think that once I transitioned to that team and we started playing in these bigger tournaments, then I was getting more looks from different colleges. Because I was kind of your non-traditional player. Mm-hmm. I maxed out at district when I came to ODP. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. never made the state team, never made regional team, national pool, none of that. Yeah. So I wasn't going to get the looks from that side of it. And I remember actually getting in an argument with my dad about it because he kind of was a believer that I needed to progress through ODP if I wanted to play in college. And 
and I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. It just was one of those things where I knew that if I did it, my love would go away. I would get burnt out and it just was never, I don't know. I never showed well at any of the tryouts or anything for ODP. And so I just decided I wanted to play club. I wanted to play high school, be with my friends, do it that way. And it ended up working out luckily. Yeah, it did. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit with, you know, maxing out at the district team. So I'm assuming that you still at that point tried out for the state team and then got cut. Yeah, at some point. What was that like? You know, I think the first time that it happened, it was probably nerves. It was probably, okay, this is the first time I've been exposed to it. Yeah. After that, it kind of, it was weird. It it was almost like it was an expectation. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I've always had this weird kind of underlying, I don't know that I belong on this team. Uh Uh-huh. And... I felt like they had like a pre-selected group, you know, you might know of one of the people that probably played state. I think her name was Cassie Dubrava. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, but there were always like really good players in our area that I yeah. always faced in club or, you know, on the district team or you'd see them at state tryouts and mm-hmm. things like that. And it was always kind of the same players that went through the system. Uh-huh. So I think I had kind of talked myself down to thinking that, okay, I didn't, I wasn't in that pool of players, so I probably didn't belong in that team. So yeah. Do you think that that, like, affected you when you went out to the tryouts? Like, that, that mentality, that state of mind of, like, maybe I don't belong? Yeah, I think so. I think that it, I probably just talked myself down from it. But, like I said, I mean, there was, there was always that competitive drive and that competitive fire. Yeah. But there's always that part of me that, that would doubt. Yeah. And, funny enough, I think that my self-doubt doesn't necessarily motivate me. But if somebody else doubts me, forget it. Yeah, um, I'm going. You're gonna after go it. after it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, how did you how did you react to getting cut? I mean, because as a player, and, and what we see a lot these days is players get cut from a team, and parents' response is, "Oh, well, this just isn't your game. Let's try something else." And so, like as a player getting cut, did you did you take that as a real hit to your confidence? And was that like, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but like. Was that a motivating factor for, oh, no, I want to put in more time and I want to work harder and I want to, you know, achieve these things even more? Strangely, I think because I had the safety net of club soccer, of school soccer, of mm-hmm. other sports and things like that, I don't think that I let it kind of destroy me or destroy my confidence mm-hmm. in soccer or anything else. I think I still knew that I was going to be able to, I was going to have a place to play. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it wasn't at the top level and maybe it wasn't there, but... There was still going to be somewhere that I could go and I could play and I could have fun and I could ha- I could compete, you know. So so having that knock me back, I think it still was a little bit of a motivating factor to want to do well eventually. Yeah. But I just thought maybe that's not my the right outlet for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I like I said I, I just find it so such an interesting story of of players getting cut and then still persevering past that mm-hmm. because um like I said you don't see that all that often these days just based on the pressures that are on players from these external sources whether it be parents coaches other things mm-hmm. and so I love I love that story of getting cut and honestly not really caring that much it's like <laughs> yeah well all right let's just keep going like I enjoy this so I'm gonna keep doing it nobody's gonna stop me from enjoying it I mean I'm sure there was a greater level of devastation at the time yeah but kind of blocking that out now and just thinking you know whatever it was that kept me wanting to play and yeah. going back was, you know, I guess a love for the game that, that competition, that 
friendship with the teammates, everything that encompassed it that said, okay, I'm not going to let this failure sour my experience. I'm going to just keep moving on. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's go into this. We've, we're now in club soccer, starting to play more of these showcase tournaments and things. ODP has kind of uh, taken its course, and the focus is now on club. At what point did you realize that playing in college was, a, was an actual possibility? Uh, we used to go to those tournaments and you'd get, you'd get, you'd start getting letters mm-hmm. and there were some letters that you'd get like Randolph Macon Women's College, which I didn't know existed. <laughs> Shout out to them. Who's, who would send a letter to our entire club team hoping yeah. to just get one person to go. So, you know, you start to get that and you start to feel like a tiny bit special because there's a college that's interested yeah. in it. Then all of a sudden more letters start coming in and more interest starts coming in. And then all of a sudden you start hearing from some bigger schools and you think, Wow okay, this could really happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's people paying attention and something that I did caught their eye and, all right, let's see where this goes. Yeah. You know, so, there's still that little piece of, oh, well, they probably send letters out to everybody, but then all yeah. of a sudden you start getting more and more interest and you're like, oh, okay, maybe I could do this. Well, for me, it was those, once they become more personal. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, the, the most personal one I got was um, from Bobby Clark at Stanford at the time. Mm-hmm. It was handwritten. And that was, to me, like, next level because I had gotten, you know, the form letters from other schools and uh, I'd gotten the typed out personal ones, but handwritten in handwriting that I could barely read. Uh, <laughs> it was, like, super nice, but I could just yeah. barely read it because you don't see handwritten yeah. letters anymore. Um, but I, that one sticks with me forever just because it was so personal. It was that next level of things. So let's let's go through this kind of process of realizing that you can play college ball, schools now being interested, where's your head at with this when, when some of these letters start coming in? I think that, you know, not realizing the commitment of all of it and just thinking of it as like, this is like the end game, you know, yeah. but at that point, this was kind of the highest level that you could play. Mm-hmm. And I think the pro league was just coming around for the that first WUSA. Yes, WSA I think was just starting out. Gotcha. So that was still so far off in the distance, yeah. and that was that was you know unclear as to what that was going to be because yeah. it was right after, right on the heels of '99. So I graduated high school in 2000, mm-hmm. and so there was a big boom in soccer, obviously, yep. where the women were representing and and making soccer and women's soccer in particular known worldwide. Um, so realizing you know that there was opportunity was was just kind of mind-blowing it was like okay we can we can go play beyond yeah yeah all right there's a future here and this is something that might actually get me into college like great I mean playing back then and getting into college back then were such a different story than it is now yeah and I sympathize greatly and have three kids at home that I hope that they can get (laughs) into college and do well and be successful because trying to get into college is just such a nightmare but you know, realizing that that could give me an edge to go to a great school and, yeah. you know, particularly somewhere strongly academically, that was something that I was interested in that maybe just my grades or just, you know, extracurriculars outside of sports might not get me in. Mm-hmm. That was a great advantage and that was something that I was really excited about. So what were the, um, let's go through this recruiting process. Did you do the, the official visits and things? I did a couple official visits. Where um, to? I went to University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. I went to UCLA. Um, where else did I go? 
<laughs> I was supposed to go to Mississippi State. Uh-huh. And that one, the coach there was so nice, and he was so enthusiastic about me coming to play for him, me coming on a visit, all of it. Mm-hmm. And just before I was going to decide whether I was going to go on a visit, I saw that there was, like, major tornadoes in Mississippi, and I was like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> Born and raised California kid. Yeah. Like, Earthquakes are our natural disaster of choice. Yes. I was not prepared to bunker down for a tornado. And <laughs> I thought, okay, maybe that's not the one. Um, I'm trying to think if I went. I can't even remember where else I went. My official visit at Santa Clara, which ended up being where I went, was um, <laughs> was lunch in the cafeteria. Because really? it, it was so late in the game that yeah. it was like, they did, weren't really doing a real visit then. So I think I went and met some of the players and sat with Jerry and Rich and had lunch in the cafeteria. So wow. that was like, yeah, that wasn't, I didn't have like a real true official like visit, visit there, there. Staying overnight, mm-hmm. going to the game, staying with the, some of the players and, that. and going to no. a party. No. None of it. Parties? People partying? In, in college? college, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, I heard about <laughs> it while I was at the library. <laughs> um, so what, what eventually made you choose Santa Clara then? So it was kind of, an interesting route to get to all things college. Um, like I said, we started playing in these showcases in college and, and I had one in particular that I played out of my mind. We mm-hmm. had to, we had to win a game like four or five, nothing. And I think I scored all of the goals Wow! to help us win that game. And funny enough, the Arizona coach had told me this story when he came to visit, he came for a home visit mm-hmm. that he was sitting next to Jerry Smith, the coach at Santa Clara. Yep. And he looked at Jerry and he said, is this girl for real? And Jerry said, yes, absolutely. (laughs) But he didn't recruit me at that time. Yeah. (laughs) So he was not, I was not being recruited by Santa Clara at all. Um, I had a very strong interest in Stanford and UCLA. Those Mm -hmm. were my top two. I was recruited to UCLA by, oh God, I can't even remember his name now. The coach that was there at the time. And then eventually Jill Ellis transitioned to UCLA. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got recruited heavily, then didn't hear much, then got recruited again. Yeah. Um, Stanford, Steve Swanson was the coach at the time. Would have loved to play for him. Turns out he would. He left the year after I would have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went, talked to him, and I actually have a great deal of respect for Stanford because of the fact that they put the student before student-athlete. Mm-hmm. And my grades and my SATs were just not high enough. It's the exact same story with me, yeah. So senior year, I was told, you got to raise one or the other, and Mm -hmm. they weren't moving. I took the SATs three times, and it moved 10 points up, 10 points down. (laughs) So I was where, I was sitting where it was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So Stanford's off the board. UCLA, I went for a visit, but something got messed up with my paperwork where my visit was a little bit late, and strangely, they ended up committing, I think, 12 players. Oh, wow. Big class. For what would have been my freshman year, which is a huge class. Yeah. So I would have been absolutely lost in the shuffle. So I was totally heartbroken. Yeah. That was probably my top choice. Uh I wanted to go there. Went on the visit. You know, had a good visit, but just, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. Arizona I went, and it was just, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, So then I was actually being recruited to St. Mary's, Mm -hmm. and it was sounding like St. Mary's was kind of my last option. Um, Paul Ratcliffe was the coach at St. Mary's at the time. (laughs) He is now a very successful coach at Stanford. Yep. Um, but he was there and he came for a home visit and very much wanted me to go to St. Mary's, play for him. And I remember thinking, okay, I guess this is where I'm going. 
And I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about it. Yeah. No offense to St. Mary's. Actually, offense to St. Mary's. I went to Santa Clara. So. <laughs> WCC rivals. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it just was, it was feeling like it, it was not necessarily the place for me. And then out of the blue, I heard from Santa Clara. I think they heard through the wire. I hadn't been picked up by anybody. So they showed an interest, you know, reached out. And they ended up coming to one of my high school games. And again, I had a good game. I think I scored a hat trick or something in that game. Yeah. And we went to an Eric's Deli Cafe after. Yeah, I know. Classy. Yeah, top of the line here yeah. in Santa Clara. They are just taking me everywhere fancy. <laughs> um, and I remember having the conversation and, and Jerry and Rich being there and telling me that they wanted me to come play for them. And at the time, you know, Santa Clara was a phenomenal program. They obviously had some very good nationally recognized players. And, you know, in comes the, I don't know that I belong on this team, but if they uh-huh. want me, sure, I should probably go there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how it went down. And it went down later in my senior year. And I, I decided, all right. So that was my one and only college application. Yep. I got into Santa Clara, and that's where I was headed. Um, all right, well, well, let's take a quick little break right here. And then when we come back, I want to talk about that transition of going into college soccer because now it kind of soccer in a way becomes a job you know now you're representing your school you're you're responsible for yourself without parents around and all of that um so when we get back from this break let's jump in there sounds good today's episode of athletes rising is brought to you by cinch cinch is an api driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is going to be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right, Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. All right, we're back. Great message there. Thank you, everybody, for listening to that one. Um, so let's let's get into college soccer now. We're just coming off of you've chosen Santa Clara. So let's get into this transition of uh, going from you know club soccer, living at home, to now you're in college and you're on your own and you're representing uh, a huge program. So what was your kind of first impression of coming into like your first training session with Santa Clara? So, rewinding even before that, sure. I took it very seriously that I was going to be playing with some very good players and um, enlisted the help of our high school track coach to give me a whole program for the summer. Mm-hmm. So, I made sure that I was going to be ultra fit. I was playing all summer. I played for, I um, can't remember the league that it was in, but uh, one of the local teams, the Red Devils. Uh-huh. Um, I remember that vaguely. Yeah. I played for them leading into college so that I was getting exposure playing against older players. Mm-hmm. And there were a fair amount of college players that played on that team. 
uh, so kind of upping my level a little bit from just playing against people that were my age or playing yeah. high school to playing people who have had or are currently on college teams. Was this driven by you or driven by your parents? Uh, I think this was driven by me at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that I knew that this was going to be a huge transition and that I was going to be very much out of my league. I mean, you mm-hmm. get players like, you know, Ali Wagner, Danielle Slayton, yep. to name a few, who are, you know, locally recognized, have absolutely crushed all things yeah. club soccer, high school soccer, are, you know, nationally recognized players in college at this point yep. in the national pool. So, yeah, that, <laughs> there was no chance that I was going to be at that level. But I think, again, being the little sister of older brothers, I always wanted to keep up. Yeah. Totally. I didn't want to be left in the dust. I didn't want people waiting around for me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to try to be on whatever level I could that would make me compete. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was my mindset going into college was that idea that, you know, yes, these are amazing players, but I want to play. I don't want to sit and watch them. Mm-hmm. So what do I have to do to get myself to that level? Yeah. So showing up for, you know, the first couple of days, we do all of our fitness tests and everything at Santa mm-hmm. Clara and I passed them with flying colors. So I could check that off the board. Yeah. All right. I did. I did the work. I did what I had to do, had to do to play or to, to get through the fitness tests. Um, one of the things that I always, I hated double days. Let's be honest. I hate, I hated all things practice. I don't think everybody, anybody likes double days. Nobody likes double days, but I hated all things practice. Mm -hmm. I was not that kid that loved practice and wanted to go practice all the time. I wanted to play in games. Mm -hmm. If I could just play in games, that was the life. That's, that's currently the life that I'm living. (laughs) I'm living the dream right now. I do not practice. I play in games. That's it. That's the dream. Um, but one of the things that I did appreciate now looking back was every year that we came in for double days, we started with the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would break it down piece by piece. We would break down individual defending, you know, doubles defending, group defending, you know, then work into all of the different aspects of passing, of shooting, of free mm-hmm. kicks, of everything. So we would spend that first couple of weeks just going piece by piece um, through all of the fundamentals. And like I said, I mean, I named a couple players that a lot of the players that I played with were in the national pool, regional pool at least, Mm -hmm. that, you know, might scoff at the idea of going back to basics and fundamentals, but not a single person batted their eyes at that. So everybody just came, came to work, came to find, you know, the basics, move up and develop as a team. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that I, I... I guess the only thing I enjoyed about double days <laughs> was the fact that we started from scratch and we worked our way up. Uh-huh. So we get through double days, we power through that, and then we start to get close to the season and we have our first game. And I'm just stoked. I'm stoked at the idea of being out there, of playing college soccer, of yeah. playing for Santa Clara, of being a part of this and, you know, hoping I get some playing time. Yeah. And I did. And I scored a goal in my first college soccer game wow. down at Cal Poly. Wow, that's amazing. What what was that like? Uh, amazing. It was just <laughs> again, it was it was one of those things where I felt like I didn't really belong there, but once I was there and I had the opportunity, I was going to compete, I was going to work hard and I was going to try to do what I came there to do, mm-hmm. which was score goals. And so I scored a goal in my first game and I just remember being on cloud 9 and just thinking, "All right, I can do this." That's great. I can play here. I can do this. Yeah. Sure. Don't tell anybody, but I, I think I think I could do this. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, so I think that that just talk about how that changed your mindset. I mean, 
now you realize, okay, I can do this. I'm a freshman in a nationally ranked program. Um, how does that take you to the, the like through the rest of the season? Uh, I've always lived by the mantra, fake it till you make it. Okay, I like that. So, you know, I was terrified of the idea of playing for this team, playing on this team, and actually playing in a game. But then all of that fear just got erased the second that I set foot on the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, again, that, that little sister mentality of keep up, get out here. You know, maybe you don't belong playing with these players, but get out there and, and fake it. Yeah, pretend like you do. And pretend like you're meant to be out here. Pretend like you are a nationally recognized player playing amongst these giants and do what you do best. Do, you know, go score goals. That's why you're here. Yeah. So let's talk more about your freshman year. Game two. Game two. Uh, I don't remember game two. I know I scored in a handful of games. Yeah. And our first home game, <laughs> this is such an awesome memory and just in absolute testament to the clown that I am um (laughs) I scored a goal and it was I think it was one of the first weekends that all the students were back on campus Uh but I scored and ran to the sideline and did the worm (laughs) of course you did oh I was ripped by teammates by other coaches I remember the volleyball coach giving me grief like but they it was it was half what are you doing? And half, okay, that was kind of awesome. Exactly, but, yeah. Yeah, I was a complete idiot, but I owned it. But people want to, people like just get scared of being that, and you were just you. Yeah, well, if there's anything I could do well, and I've always done well, and always felt comfortable in the space of, it's being a complete moron. So, <laughs> yes. I love that. So, yeah, talk more about freshman year and just the overall experience. So we had come in that year on the heels of what... Jerry may still consider to be the greatest team that Santa Clara had. Mm -hmm. So the 99 team was always the benchmark, was always the team that we were compared to, which Mm -hmm. I think in my four years always left a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because, you know, no disrespect to that team. They were incredible. I mean, they went and destroyed every team they played until they got to the semifinals where unfortunately they got unraveled by Notre Dame. Yeah. But this was the team that, you know, throughout their four years, I think the senior class in particular was an, an incredibly talented group of players. And this was the year that they were supposed to go and they were supposed to win it. Yeah. And if they couldn't win it with that team, they were never going to win it, mm-hmm. was kind of the mentality of some. And so we kind of came into that season a little bit forgotten, but definitely as underdogs because we were never going to stack up against that team. Mm-hmm. So the expectations were very low, which, you know, can sometimes be disappointing but also again when you have people who are doubting you then you want to you want to prove them wrong and you want to step up and you want to do well so we came together as a team and we powered through and you know this ragtag group of people that were playing together ragtag you know there's still plenty of people on the national <laughs> oh yeah, yeah team yeah. national pool and everything at this point but um we weren't supposed to do well that year yeah and we ended up actually going and playing notre dame in the quarterfinals of the NC2A tournament, and we were we were one goal shy of playing in the Final Four at Spartan Stadium again, mm-hmm. which was a real bummer because we truly believed that we could be there. Yeah. And, um, you know, we ended up going out to Notre Dame, playing on a freezing cold night with three feet of snow around the field yep. and, and losing. But, you know, again, that was a humbling experience to, to get close enough. I mean, for me personally, never even imagining being at that level and being yeah. that far into the tournament. To get that close and kind of taste it was, okay, we, we want to come back, and we want to come back with a vengeance. Uh-huh. And 
get past this the next year. Um, but for me personally, I mean, I think I ended up scoring a decent amount of goals my freshman year. And like I said, I, I, I faked it. I got in there. Yeah. I snuck in and started scoring goals and started kind of making a name for myself and started realizing, okay, I could do this. I belong on this team. Yeah. So, all right. So season ends disappointingly. And let's jump into the sophomore season. So coming back from, you know, break at that time and going into preseason. Um, yeah, let's start there. Sophomore year was a little bit different. <laughs> okay, let's hear about it. So I kind of slacked off over the summer. I think I had this idea that, oh, I know what the expectation is. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And rather than, I, I have a tendency to do well with structure. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had a very structured, regimented summer before my freshman year where I had workouts designed for me the entire summer. Yep. And I did them. And my sophomore year, I thought that I could self-govern and I could do it myself. And I didn't do such a great job. Mm-hmm. So I came into my sophomore year not quite as fit as I... Unfit. Let's just call it unfit. Let's just Let's call it real. unfit. Okay. Um, passed some of the fitness tests, not all of the fitness tests. Uh, right away, I got noticed and I was um, dealt a not so fun hand where I had to do an hour of conditioning on my own after practice every day. Oh yeah. It was pretty miserable. That's brutal. Um, so obviously, you know, that hiding in the shadows underdog that came out and performed freshman year was noticed to the point that when I came in unfit my sophomore year, that was noticed as well. Mm -hmm. So I got hammered with conditioning after the fact. Um, so I did it miserably but I did it mm-hmm. and you know started to get back in shape and started to perform and then I remember in particular there was a weekend that we played Cal on Friday and Notre Dame on Sunday and the Cal game um, was one of the first games that I came out and I played a decent amount in that game mm-hmm. I was kind of always the the 12th man I yeah. was I started my junior year but I was never a starter like I was always that player that came off the bench and kind of had that fire and sure. could make things happen um, so that was my role sophomore year as well. And I came in and played really well in that Cal game, in my opinion. And we ended up losing that game. And then Sunday we played Notre Dame and I did not play a minute of that game. So I was not terribly happy about that. Yeah. And, you know, being a 19, 20 year old, whatever I was at that point, mm-hmm. um, probably not the most mature. I decided, well, I put in the work and it didn't happen. So I'm not going to conditioning you know, this week. Yeah. So whatever it was that Tuesday when we had practice and I didn't show up for conditioning, our athletic trainer at the time was uh, new and trying to make a good impression. We're still in a fight about it, even though we're friends now. Um, (laughs) But she tattled on me and told the coaches that I wasn't there. And I got called into a meeting where I was told that I came in um, out of shape and overweight and didn't belong on this team. And my transfer papers would be signed right then and there. Wow. Um, I was a wreck. I was obviously bawling. Uh, our assistant coach at the time, Rich Manning, um, tried to console me through this, but I left that meeting and I said, forget it. I'm out of here. This yeah. is stupid. I'm not going to play on this team. I'm not going to be treated that way. And I remember being totally devastated. And then I remember having a conversation with my parents and they didn't, I expected them to support me and support me leaving and everything. And they said, nope, tough it out. 
And I remember being devastated by that then and, you know, still have my moments now. But again, somebody doubted me. Yeah. So forget them. I'm coming back and I'm coming back pissed off. Yeah. So I went back and had a meeting with coaches and said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to stay. And uh-huh. yeah, I'm, I'm going to play. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to play. And, you know, that was probably one of the hardest transitions in life that I've had to go through of that feeling of not feeling like I belong on this team, working my way onto it, earning a spot, and then having somebody try to take it away and tell yeah. me that I don't belong there. Um, that was probably the greatest moment of adversity in my entire soccer career that I thought maybe I should walk away. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. And I stuck it out and I powered through and I continued to just get little nibbles of playing time where I could. And then as the season went on, I started to play really well and came in and would make an impact when I did play. Um, we ended up that year uh, doing pretty well. We um, won a national championship. <laughs> yes, you could um, say that's pretty well. I by no means considered myself a marquee player, but I always stepped up in the tournament. Yeah. And I scored some goals in the early rounds of the tournament and played really well. And I remember having the conversation before the national championship, which is one that will always stick in my head, too, of you deserve to start, but I'm not going to start you. Mm -hmm. And there was a player who um, was a freshman who was a very good player, but she... Her parents had made it clear that if she was not starting and playing, she was going to transfer. Mm-hmm. So she started that game. Oh, interesting. She also transferred after that year. <laughs> interesting yes. also. Um, but she started the game, and then I got subbed in, and I played a good chunk of the national championship game. And yeah. While I didn't score a goal or do anything yeah. you know, headlining in that game, I played well. I covered the person I was supposed to cover. Yeah. I got through it, and a player that some people might have heard of named Allie Wagner. Um, I think she's pretty good. I don't know. She, she's all right. Yeah. yeah. And she, we she, love you, Allie. Yeah. Uh, she's all right. She's a pain, but she's all right. Uh, no, she ended up scoring a phenomenal goal against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That won us a national championship. So that was a pretty amazing thing to be a part of. Let's, let's go back to that moment of doubt. Because I think that's a hugely transformational moment. Um, what sticks out to me about that is your parents' reaction of, no, you, you're not going anywhere. You're going you're gonna to tough this out, figure it out, and make it work. Because the reason I say it's so interesting is because I feel like that's lost these days. Right? Parents, mm-hmm. parents are just trying to protect their kids from these kinds of experiences. But I think in your case, at least what I'm taking from it is, it was hugely transformational and motivating and it forced you to find this whole other level within yourself to not let somebody take that away from you and learn how to fight yourself. So mm-hmm. like let's can we can we unpack that a little bit as to like what your own mentality and I mean you, you touched on it of like now somebody tried to take something for you and then there's just this fire that's lit underneath you mm-hmm. to come back yeah I think that college was hugely transformational not only you know with all things soccer but becoming a grown-up or at least playing one on tv because I refuse to say that (laughs) I behave like a grown-up at all um but learning to balance your own responsibilities Mm -hmm. learning to manage your class schedule I remember my freshman year we were in season that fall quarter 
and I got my one and only college D. Oh, wow. In psychology. Study kids, don't listen to me. <laughs> um, but again, I mean, I knew that if, luckily I did well in my other classes, but if I didn't do the work, if I didn't get the grades, I couldn't play. Mm-hmm. I mean, being eligible is no joke. Like, you have to maintain a certain grade point average. Yep. And you don't have somebody sitting there over your shoulder asking you if you've done your homework. So you learn that piece of it. Then, you know, you learn the time management of all things playing. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody assumes, oh, okay, you go to two practices a week and that's it. No, as a college athlete, it is a 24-7 job. Yeah. You are there for practice. You are there in the training room before and after if you have any sort of an injury. You are, you know, doing extra weights in the mornings. You're mm-hmm. doing everything. So, and you have to go to study hall. You have to go to your classes. You have to take your finals. You have to do all of the things. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, you've got this regimented life where you're doing all of these pieces, but if something goes wrong, and in my case, a huge piece of adversity is thrown at me, Mm -hmm. now I have to reevaluate all of that. You know, do I just want to be a regular student? Do I want to go be an athlete somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Um, but realizing that, you know, everything that I did to work toward that point and to play on a team that again, I didn't think I belonged on, I, I knew I belonged there at this point. Yeah, I knew that I had worked to get here and I knew that I deserved it, but I knew that I had to continue working and I had to work harder to get past that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had to just throw all of that in and figure out how to become the person that I needed to be and how to become more independent. And, you know, mommy and daddy weren't going to fight my battles for me. This yeah. was now my life, my livelihood. And what did I have to do to get back on track? Yeah, God, I mean, that's you said it kind of perfectly right there. Mom and dad are not going to fight my battles for me anymore. Mm-mm. And I think that that's just such a, a a huge mental transition of realizing that like they're there for you, but you also have to be a grown-up. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, in this case, it worked out perfect in the sense of you learned how to be a grown-up. You learned how to put in that effort and how to fight. And while the, while the first, at least to me, it seems the first instinct was to flee. Mm-hmm. Instead of you, of that, you turn around and you end up fighting, and then that results in the national championship. So let's go to that that moment of being on the field when you win a national championship. It's crazy. It's just <laughs> it's totally surreal. I mean, I remember so Santa Clara had a semifinal curse uh-huh. where they could not get past the semifinals, and our semifinal game was no walk in the park. We played against Florida. There was a striker by the name of Abby Wambach, who <laughs> she's okay too. was just unreal. I mean, I still maintain that she can head the ball better than most men. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, And she, you know, stayed true to form and scored some goals in that game. And we battled. We absolutely battled in that game. And we ended up coming back and we ended up winning. Um, You know, not without a fight. But I remember being in that game and thinking, you know, everybody kind of had that doubt. But then we kind of thought, nope, we got this. We're going to win this game. We're coming out here to win this game. Even mm-hmm. when they scored, we didn't let it get us down. Um, and then to go into the final against the superpower of North Carolina. Yeah. At that point, it was like, we made it to the final. We're here to win. Yeah. And again, it was a total battle. It was a 1-0 game. And we got to the end, and I remember just looking at the clock and thinking, this needs to go faster. This <laughs> needs to go down. And we finally get to those final moments, and we're counting down, and everybody is just you know, on pins and needles waiting, yeah. and then it dropped, and it was just, you know, that feeling of pure elation of, yeah. we did it. Like, all that work that we put in, all the superpowers that we came up against, like, we fought through it. 
And we did something that, you know, no other team in Santa Clara women's soccer has done since or before. Yeah, that was the first in the school's history, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The men had tied for a national championship. 89, yeah. Yeah. The the infamous tie. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was the first outright national championship. That's crazy. So let's go then past this because... Um, we're into, you win a national championship, this is your sophomore year, and what's the rest of your college career like after that? What's your junior year, senior year like, and, and, and was there uh, any, any specific moments that really stand out? So after the uh, trials and tribulations of my sophomore year, yeah. we had end of, the, end of the year meetings, I think it was, uh, leading into the next season, so the end of the school year or the end of the spring season, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and I told um, my coaches that I was going to be a captain next year. Nice. I like um, that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I had some brass ones at times. Um, <laughs> not to everybody's liking, but yeah. I said, listen, I've messed up as much as you can mess up. Yeah. And I powered through it and persevered. And I think that you're going to have your uh, players that are going to be captains that are going to lead by example. At that time, or going into my junior year, it was Allie Wagner and, and um, Devin Hawkins, mm-hmm. two phenomenal players. Yeah, and I said, I'm not going to be that player for you. I'm not that national caliber player, but I'm the player that will recognize people who are struggling, mm-hmm. will recognize from the bench, you know, things that need to happen, and can kind of help close those gaps. Uh-huh. And you know, I'll I'll pick up the rear and bring everybody up with us. Yeah. So I said, I think that. I've worked hard enough. I think that I've, you know, been a part of this team and I've gone through everything that we, we went through that season and, and I want to help be a leader on this team. Mm-hmm. So I was actually named a captain my junior year. That's um, impressive. I play a lot more. I took my off season fitness much more seriously. <laughs> Lesson was learned. Lesson then. was learned. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I had an, another athletic trainer come up with a whole plan of fitness and plyometrics and I coached camps all that summer and so mm-hmm. we played a lot during the summer um and we had a great season we came in guns blazing um we had lost some great players particularly one carrie cathcart shout out to my girl carrie <laughs> um and danielle and um anna Krause was mm-hmm. another one that we had lost that they were very strong solid players that were starters but we still had a solid core and we had a really good class coming in that year as well um and we had a great season and we went through and, you know, act like you've been there before. Yep. We marched our way all the way to the national championship where unfortunately we faced a school by the name of the Portland pilots. Yep. You yep. Know them. I do. Um, I <laughs> still believe I'm not the most spiritual person, but I believe that there was a divine intervention that uh, I agree that stepped in there and, uh, you know, your mentor and, all around good guy who I didn't know well, but I heard nothing but phenomenal things about Clive Charles. Yep. I remember him being late to the final four because he was undergoing treatments at that point. Yep. And he showed up and we played um, North Carolina in the semis and beat him and that felt good. Yeah, that's a huge, yeah. huge weight off the shoulders. Sure. I mean, once you do it once, then you're like, okay, we can do this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we faced Portland in the finals and... Christine Sinclair was just, just next level fired that yeah. year. And she scored in that game and, you know, it was a battle again. There were a couple goals exchanged, but they ended up winning and 
you never want to lose. Yeah. Nobody likes losing. But if you're going to lose, you know, yeah. you're kind of okay losing to a team like that. Yeah. And um, I don't remember the exact timeline, but I remember hearing that Clive passed away not long after that. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, not, too, not too long after that. Yeah. So, you know, the devastation and the sting of losing a national championship, it hurts a little bit less when you hear that a team guided by someone as amazing as him yeah. is, is the team that beats you. Well, it makes you realize that you're playing a game. Absolutely. <laughs> that there's, it's just like this small little thing in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's yeah. a little piece in the game of life. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, again, we, we tasted that success. We went as far as we could go, but yeah. couldn't close on it. Um, my senior year was a different story. I got hurt. Uh, I had kind of a freak thing in the off season where... Um, I had a bone infarction in my tibia that was just out of the blue. I showed, I got an MRI and it showed up as just basically a dark spot where blood wasn't going to it. Mm -hmm. Um, spent my spring being told it might be a blood disease. It might be a bone disease. It might be cancer. We don't know. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah. So I was a head case, um, and had an interesting encounter with coaches where, uh, surrounding scholarship stuff that some paperwork got sent to me too soon. We got into it um, and had an uncomfortable discussion about it. Uh-huh. Then I walked away from it. Then I came back and um, tried to smooth things over, was told that it was smoothed over, and then was told that I was not going to be a captain the next year. Huh. So adversity is kind of my thing at this point, <laughs> kind of my yeah. jam. Um, and that was hard. I mean, going through everything that I had to go through with my health and then that piece of it... Um, I ended up having to get surgery in July, so I had to sit out the beginning of my senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked my butt off to get back, you know, did physical therapy, and then got yeah. back. And we traveled to a tournament in Wake Forest, and that was the first time I got cleared to play. And I remember Jerry asking me if um, I wanted to redshirt or if I wanted to play, and I said, I'm not redshirting, I'm, I'm absolutely playing. Yeah. Um, my senior year was a complete and total struggle physically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, had to take painkillers to deal with all the stuff with my shin. Um, I ended up, we had success that year, but not as much as previous years. And we ended up losing again in the quarterfinals to North Carolina. Um, but it, it was rough. Uh, it was rough on my body. It was rough on my mind. It was, yeah. I was burnt out. Um, at the time there was the pro league had folded again. I think the WSA had folded at this point. Mm-hmm. So there was nowhere to play beyond it. Um, but my mind and my body were just done. I was burnt out. My love of soccer had kind of disappeared a little bit because of having to play through all of that. Yeah. So I was ready to walk away from it. Um, but I mean, all in all, the college experience was, was pretty phenomenal. It was, it, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about life lessons. I learned a lot about how to behave like a grown up. I learned a lot about what happens if I don't behave like a grown up (laughs) and if I don't handle my responsibilities. Um, but, you know, as far as a message to any kid wanting to play in college, it's a job. It is a 24-7 job. Yeah. If you don't love it or if you're not wholeheartedly committed to it, it will eat you alive. Yeah. But if you buy in and you put in the work and you do it, I mean, it's an incredible experience. I mean, you get these teammates that and friends that you go to battle with and you work incredibly hard. And, I mean, if you're, if you're lucky, I mean, I was incredibly lucky to be a part of this elite program and the having the opportunity to just play in that environment was phenomenal but then having the 
the to be able to win a national championship. Yeah. It's awesome. I it's, mean, you look back and you're like, wow. That's what everybody dreams that's about. That's pretty yeah. special, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit then about kind of that transition of my soccer career. The thing that I've loved the most is done. And what's next? So I went and got a real job. And <laughs> I traveled a little bit. I went to Europe and, and had never been and just yeah. kind of went to a bunch of different countries and checked stuff out. Then I came back and worked and then fast forward like four years. Um, I, the, I don't know, it was the NWSL. It was the one before that because there were a couple iterations, but. Yeah. The, I can't remember what it's called. The Pro League, we should yes, call it. Yes, we'll call it the Pro League. Uh, the Pro League was coming back and I realized that I kind of was going through a transition in life where I wanted to figure out a career. I wanted to. You know, I questioned whether or not it was time for me to get back together with soccer. Yeah. I'd been playing in like some random leagues, like co-ed leagues and women's leagues in the area, but mm-hmm. um, I kind of felt like I owed it to myself to put in the work and try out for the league. And you know, the version of me that was doing all things ODP or trying mm-hmm. to do all things ODP came back, and I powered through and I trained and I got back in shape and I played and I did all the things I had to do to to try out for this pro league. And I remember a friend of mine was out. Uh, helping me train and I was running lines or doing something terrible Yeah. and she just looked at me and she said you're so not into this <laughs> and I was like I know I'm, I'm making myself run why would I do that yeah um so I went to a combine in, Sac- in Sacramento it was Labor Day weekend it was like 185 oh, degrees out yeah it they ended up not even doing a fitness portion of it because it was too hot and we played and the coaches that were there scouting said it was like the worst combine that they've ever been to and <laughs> Nobody shined, and it was terrible. Um, but I knew then and there, I mean, I had had a job. I was coaching a little bit at that time. I was uh-huh. making good money. And the glamour of being a professional athlete, um, yeah. it may not be this way for all female athletes, but for women's soccer at the time, was not so glamorous. You were going to get paid peanuts. Yeah. And you know, knowing what I had put my body through and my brain through in college, I wasn't willing to absolutely beat myself up wasn't necessarily about the money or the fame or anything like that, but it just, the love wasn't there. Mm-hmm. The passion wasn't there. To do all of that for very little just didn't seem like something that I, a box that I needed to check. Yeah. So I kind of made peace with the fact that it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to that combine, I gave it a shot, and I was A-OK walking away from the dream of playing professionally. And that... Um, that fall, I decided that I was going to go back to school and um, take some prerequisites, and eventually I went to nursing school and became a nurse. Nice. So that was a another life transition. Well, yeah, let's talk, just talk about that since um, I mean I know you did that for for a while. How do you think that all of these lessons that you learned through soccer helped you um, in? I mean, we'll call it your career, whether that be what you were doing before nursing school or as or even with the decision of going to nursing school and then being a nurse um I think that more than anything growing up playing sports was huge for me I think that being a part of a team um developing that sense of accountability yeah uh, responsibility all of it was something that shaped me in all aspects of life um I always try to pride myself in being dependable and reliable to the people around me whether it's a team I play for, whether it's a company I work for, 
um, you know, above all else to my husband, to my kids, to yeah. be that person and to be there for them. Uh, so to make a decision that I was going to go back to school again, there were doubters that thought I was not exactly academically driven. Yeah. Um, so the idea of going back to school and going back to nursing school in particular, I had a couple of people doubt me that made me say, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did. And I ended up, um, again, in a position where I sat down in a room and was told, uh, all of you are incredibly smart. Here was the average GPA. I sat in the back and said, do they know that I'm here? <laughs> right. I kind of yeah. stuck in. I'm not going to tell anybody. Um, but, you know, I started becoming passionate about it while I was there and mm-hmm. enjoyed learning the things that I was learning. I made a couple of really good friends in, in nursing school that we kind of bonded over all of it and mm-hmm. powered through it. Um, I took the first job that I could get, which was at a surgery center um, that de- dealt with orthopedics, which was kind of my wheelhouse. And I was going to work in pre-op and made friends with some of the people in the OR. Mm-hmm. And they pulled me back to the OR and said, we'll train you. And so I was an OR nurse for about seven years, mm-hmm. uh, strictly orthopedics for the first three years. And then I worked um, in a facility that did a variety of surgeries. So the type of nursing that I did in the operating room was just right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, It was a team nursing. It yeah. was... A doctor or a surgeon, an anesthesiologist, a nurse, a surgical tech, and you know whoever else needed to be a part of yeah. uh, the different surgeries. But it was the team, and you know, <laughs> yeah. while while the surgeon is ultimately the person who is the surgeon, in my opinion, was you know the the national team player. Yeah. But I was the behind the scenes captain that kind of yeah. you know got everybody wrangled together and working together and kind of kept an eye on all things and. <laughs> made sure the patient was okay and made sure we had the things that we needed for the surgery and we'd run around and kind of do that. So I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But seven years of it wore me down. I got the seven year itch and I yeah. got burnt out and um, decided that I needed to take a step back and um, spend more time with my husband and my yeah. awesome stepdaughters. And then surprise, somebody decided they wanted to join the team. <laughs> and my littlest, who is a firecracker um <laughs> decided that she was she was gonna work her way into this team and so i've been hanging with her since so i've taken a step back from all things nursing that's great wow well i want to thank you for coming on the podcast such a inspiring and interesting story um i hope all of you listeners are able to take those those nuggets of uh intelligence out of there because man i just find it so inspiring uh, to to listen to that and and really just I mean we know this is this whole podcast is kind of about adversity and and there's real adversity there but it's just so inspiring to see people respond to the adversity instead of shy away from it and become stronger people uh, from it which is certainly the case for you so um, for all of you listeners go to our website athletesrising.org um, there's a place where you can actually donate um, it would be awesome to get some really cool recording equipment so we can have super good audio. Um, but you can you can donate there. Um, it's like monthly donations, and there's a whole bunch of different things you can do. Um, please continue to spread the word about Athletes Rising. Check us out on Instagram. You can message us there. Uh, if you have any questions you might have, if you have people that you think we should interview um, that have interesting stories, um, please let us know. Contact us uh, through Instagram at the moment. Um, so Christy, thank you so much. No problem. Uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me.